0: Hi, we're your hosts, LaRae Spindler and Lori Suba, and we're commercial real estate brokers with Scout Real Estate in Calgary. And you're listening to Leasing Out Loud. Welcome back, everyone, to
1: Leasing Out Loud, episode
0: number 19 with your hosts, Lori and LaRae. Thank you for joining us again here this week. We are so excited to have our guest, Catherine Greigard join us and first want to give Catherine the introduction she deserves. Want everyone to know just what she does every day and the value she can add for business owners and landlords. So Catherine is a partner with Steichman Elliott's real estate group in Calgary with expertise advising clients on real estate and renewable energy development matters, land ownership structuring, property and development management agreements, mixed use development matters, acquisition and disposition, landlord and tenant leasing, financing, environmental and land contamination issues, and foreign ownership of land compliance matters. So Catherine is your go-to on real estate. Holy smokes, <laughs> Catherine. Yes. Yes. <laughs>
2: That's a lot of lawyering, Catherine. That is a lot of lawyering, and it is something that I clearly love. I know you do.
0: Yes, we're <laughs> thrilled to have you join us. This week, we're not only going to talk with Catherine about the importance of having legal representation in a deal, which is, of course, of utmost importance. Super important. Yeah. Yeah. But we're also going to chat with her about diversity in the industry. We were just featured with Catherine. We had the pleasure of joining her with a Business in Calgary magazine piece that was just released on March 1st. So we're gonna get into that
2: too. Awesome, well, welcome, Catherine. We're excited to have you here. Thanks so much for having me. I am very excited. This is my very first podcast, so (laughs) I'm quite nervous, but I hope that I can provide some insight into the legal world for your listeners. I'm sure you will, and I just have to say, Our listeners
1: can't see you now, Catherine, but you are decked out (laughs) to the nines with all podcast gear required. So, Catherine has an amazing microphone, she's got an amazing headset. She is totally prepared, exactly what you would expect yes. from an amazing lawyer to be completely prepared for this podcast. So thank
2: you. I love it. <laughs> thank you. I did my diligence. I was reading, I was listening, <laughs> and I was like, what can I do to make this experience kind of fun? That's so. awesome. <laughs> I got the gear.
1: You got the gear. I love it. And we're going to have a great conversation today because as Lorraine mentioned, So excited to be a part of that piece in Business in Calgary with you, with Steichman, talking about some of the barriers and how we've overcome barriers within the commercial real estate world. So we've all been doing this for a little while now, haven't we?
2: That's right. And it was a fun little project. And there's been a lot of time to reflect during this past year about where you want to take your career and Mm -hmm. how you want to shape it. And we had this opportunity to do the business in Calgary piece. And you two, I immediately thought of, I was like, how can I support some great people? And it was Lori and Lori that came to mind. Oh, that's awesome. Well,
1: I have to say, and thank you because you are a tremendous support for us. And I know in launching Scout and launching this podcast, you have been just such an amazing Supporter of us and what we're working on. So, including us in the business in Calgary piece just shows how much support we're fortunate to receive
2: from you and from Stakeman. So, thank you because it really does mean a lot. Awesome. Awesome. It's a big topic, though, women and diversity. Yeah. It is this month, I think, International Women's Day on March 8th. So, I'm going to call it International Women's Month. Yes. (laughs) Like, it's not just the day anymore, which is really cool. Yeah. And so, I thought it was very fitting to
1: have that article go into the March issue this year, which was really cool. Because you're right, it's a hot topic. Diversity inclusion, we hear about this all the time. Mm -hmm. Is that something that Steichman's focused on as well? Are they looking at ways to
2: really support diversity and inclusion in the workplace? Is that a hot topic for them? Definitely, definitely. It is a big topic and there are many ways you can approach it. What we've found at Stikeman Elliott is that you have to have the ground level be supportive, but you also have the leadership team supportive. Mm-hmm. Right. What I'm happy to share is that the leadership team and the firm's board has made women and diversity a priority. Right There's various programs that we have within the firm, and we have a few partnerships with external organizations as well. And so we're trying to approach it at all angles because it is very important for us. Mm -hmm. We have internal training, unconscious bias training. That's awesome. We have maternity leave coaching programs. We also do some internal analysis and reflection. So just doing work allocation analysis, trying to see where we can improve because I think we all can improve.
1: That's amazing. That's so great to hear. You're right. It's not going to change overnight. And to your point, I think having those conversations talking about it just raises awareness and it ultimately will result in a better workplace for everyone i think if we have different perspectives and different approaches we're better together thinking through things rather than just only looking through one particular lens. Yes.
2: Absolutely. Not that there's intention behind the unconscious bias, because it's unconscious and you Mm -hmm. just don't know what you don't know. Right. So by talking about it, by making it the front of mind, I think that kind of sheds some light on issues that certain people might not even think about. Right. For sure. And it makes a big difference too, even for people that are just coming into the industry, so
1: women coming into the industry. I actually just met with a young woman that has just joined the industry recently. And I know having been in the business in Calgary, and she obviously could see that I've encountered barriers like we all have, mm-hmm. knowing that I have, it just made her comfortable to be able to share you know, some of the challenges that she's facing and talking about it and strategizing and figuring out a great path forward. So I think it's fantastic that Stakeman is a supporter And it sounds like you've got a lot of great initiatives going there for sure.
2: Yeah, including support for my membership with Crew. Awesome. Well, that's a great segue, Catherine, because Mm -hmm. that's how we actually met each other
1: was through Crew Calgary. And I know in the piece we do talk about Crew Calgary. For those that don't know, Crew Calgary is a nonprofit organization. It's a chapter of Crew Network and Crew Network has about 11,000, I think. Last I counted. Is it that many? Wow. Yeah, (laughs) 11,000 members in North America and UK. And Calgary has a chapter, and the Calgary chapter has been in existence for 15 years now. It's made up of professionals within the commercial real estate industry, so lawyers, brokers, designers, architects, all different Mm -hmm. backgrounds. But the common thread is that it is a commercial real estate focus. And it's really about supporting women as leaders within the industry. And that's where we met. So Catherine and I actually met starting out on a committee working together, and I found out how fabulous she was. Which committee was that? It was membership. Membership? Yeah. So so (laughs) Catherine is chair of that committee now. At the time when we met, I was chair of the committee and then rolled onto the board and ultimately was serving as the president of the Calgary chapter in 2019. But we have had lots of interaction. And Lorraine and I, we met each other many times at crew events as well and got to know each other Mm -hmm. over the years. So lots of great
0: networking. And look what happens down the line, right? You develop these relationships. You meet such wonderful people through that network. And we're all still involved, right? There's so many opportunities for people to join that network, get involved. And the amount of people you meet that are supportive and you can lean on, Mm -hmm. the value you get is tremendous. Yeah.
1: And we do get questions sometimes, like, is it only female members? It's not, right? Catherine, I mean, Catherine's the membership committee, but we do have some really amazing male members as well. It's just people that support the advancement of women within the commercial real estate sector. So you can be female or a male to do that quite frankly so we've got good representation across the board which is really awesome it's very diverse
0: and welcoming welcoming to all all genders everybody (laughs) yes
2: yeah it's actually quite fun and so my co-chair Kimberly Jensen and I we did kind of come up through the ranks and we were just you know members and then we wanted to get more involved and then we joined the membership committee yeah it's funny because you have that support and it gives you the confidence to be more involved in and- Participate more. And looking back eight years later,
0: mm-hmm.
2: here we are. You're a chair. Mm-hmm. You were president. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Laura, I know that you're doing the mentorship committee as well. Yeah. Yeah. Chair of mentorship. Yeah. So you kind of grow and develop and you also build lifelong friends,
1: I think. You do. Yes. And lifelines. So I know many people, and we talked about this in a past episode about the importance of developing a network, maintaining a strong network of relationships in the industry. And I know personally that crew members have been like a lifeline for me personally and professionally. There's been times where I recount like a time where I was working on a file and there was environmental issues. You know, I knew I had this call I had to do. I was not feeling confident with the subject matter. And I happen to know an individual with Crew Calgary that ran their own environmental consulting business. And I could just Mm -hmm. call her and say, okay, I've got this call. Can you just give me the Kohl's notes? on some things that I need to be aware of. And she was amazing. And I know, Catherine, you've done that with me. Like, we can talk and just say, what do you think about this, (laughs) right? Absolutely. Super
2: valuable (laughs) to have those connections. That's the fun thing about the real estate industry. There are a lot of the industry groups that you can join. So we're very fortunate. Some other industries might not have groups that are as prevalent, but a lot for Calgary. For sure.
1: Well, maybe let's talk a little bit about... Just the importance of having legal representation on a file. I know Loray and I, I feel like we've kind of been beaten a bit of a dead horse here, to be honest. Because every single time <laughs> we get on the podcast, I'm like, hire a broker, hire a lawyer, engage the right people for success. So I know we've been really trying to encourage that. If you're looking for space, hire somebody to help you. If you're looking to negotiate a lease, engage a lawyer to help you. Can we talk to high level? Why is it important? Maybe Catherine, if you say it, maybe it will. <laughs>
2: yeah. We know the value. We know. <laughs> we know it. Absolutely. And it's funny because I say the same to our clients in terms of brokers. Right. There's a special quality when you hire an expert yes. in their field and they can bring that to the next level. And in terms of law, Having legal representation and I am biased because I'm a lawyer, but I think it's important for a variety of reasons. Since we are on leasing out loud, I wanted to share a little bit of my thoughts on how a lawyer could support clients in a leasing context. Yeah, that'd be great. I was doing my due diligence and listening to your podcast about, (laughs) I think it was podcast five, timing of your lease deal. And then I listened to podcast 16 and it was apples to apples. And those were top of mind when I was thinking about, well, how am I going to explain to your listeners what a lawyer can add? Mm -hmm. Right. And I think my view is it's a bit of a team sport. I certainly don't do what brokers do. Yeah. And we would be the same. I'm like, every (laughs) time I have an email, I say to Luray, not a lawyer. Like it's right in the email, you know? So, I mean, the lawyers, what I like to think is that we worry about the things that the clients don't want to worry about. Mm -hmm. Totally. And I see myself a little bit as a collaborator and a bit of a translator because, you know, oftentimes you'll have a term sheet or an offer to lease. And, you know, you kind of have the high level points on your term sheet, but that's a five page document max. And then you have the translation into the lease, which ends up being 60 pages possibly. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And then you wonder yourself, how on earth could you go from five to 60? And so sometimes the devil is in the details. It is in the details. And those 60 pages, it's not fun reading. (laughs) I'm a good reader.
1: (laughs) I know you're a good reader, but I'm like, oh, man, there's a lot of detail in there. And I said on one episode, I think it may have even been that episode number five, where it sort of like makes my heart skip when people just sign the lease without even reading it. And I think, oh, my goodness. You don't understand there could be something in there, and it's usually hidden in the details, and it can have cost implications for people.
0: And in this case, ignorance is not bliss, <laughs> no. right? And it can be intimidating to get a 60-page document, and I've always thought of it a bit of like a marriage. People are coming together. People have good intentions. They want to start the relationship off right. They both have the same end goal. They want to have a good long-term relationship in a building. Yeah. But what if things go sour? To me, that's usually what the lease is dealing with, right? Is look, let's talk up front about what's going to happen. If things don't go the way we planned, what happens? I like that analogy,
1: LaRae. That's really good. I love that analogy. So this would be the prenup. (laughs) This is the The prenup. prenup. (laughs) Totally. Because you know when things are not going good on a lease deal and when you have to pull that lease out, and you're reading through the clause, and
0: you're like, oh no, here we and go. And if it's, you know, five years later.
2: Yeah, and I think that's right in terms of it's a little bit of a... Call it guideline, it's a rule book. It's how the relationship is governed, Mm -hmm, right? While everything is going well, you might not have to read the book. Mm -hmm. But if things are not going well, you might want to take a closer look. And then when you're reading it, you're like, Well, did I really mean that? (laughs) When I (laughs) first entered this relationship five years ago, Mm -hmm. that's where the lawyers bring in the lens and we do the front-end work for you, Mm -hmm. right? Maybe not all cases need lawyers, and it might come down to circumstance, and it could depend on the length of the term or whether or not you're entering into new space or if you're just taking over some old space. Mm -hmm. Could be the location. So maybe an office lease versus an industrial lease, and there's different factors that you can incorporate into the decision as to whether or not you need or want a lawyer to take a look at the lease. Some clients are sophisticated. They've been through the whole rinse and repeat and then they're comfortable. Sure. Yeah. But there is always. A room for interpretation, right? <laughs> <laughs> there's always room for interpretation. interpretation. Yeah, That's for sure. Right. And if I could hit on a few of the high points and to some considerations that your listeners might be interested in, in which there's certain provisions that you don't really pay attention to. Mm -hmm. But there's certain provisions that you might. And if I could offer a few, call it red flag provisions that you might want to look at, it's, you know, if there are building obligations or tenant improvements, that's something that you want to pay attention to. End of term rights. Definitely. Yeah. Environmental obligations and liabilities, depending on where you are, that might be a factor. Mm -hmm. Change of control and assignments. And so that's not for a today concern, but it could be a down the road concern. Restoration is a biggie that I
1: always am watching for, Catherine, because Mm -hmm. that for our listeners. So sometimes there'll be a clause in the lease that talks about restoration that is tied to Catherine's comment about end of term kind of obligations or responsibilities. And so at the end of the lease term, there can be restoration provisions whereby a tenant may have to remove the existing improvements right down to base building or concrete shell. And that is a costly undertaking. And I have unfortunately been in circumstances where now I wasn't involved in the initial negotiation, of course. But (laughs) a tenant goes to make a move out of a building and finds out that there is a hefty restoration penalty that can be quite costly. So that's one of those ones that you don't want to find out about just as you're moving you at the 11th hour you've <laughs> <Right. laughs> no, already decided to move and all of a sudden you realize whoo. and if you have a very specific use like as an example if you've built out the space as like a data center as an example or something like it can be very expensive to remove those improvements so I always watch for that one Catherine that's definitely
2: my red flag one right and I think those points all speak to cost and so when you're looking at Lisa's as much as you have a monthly obligation likely for base rent op costs, there are, call it, additional costs that you might not be aware of or that you might not take into consideration apart from that. So like restoration costs. Restoration costs, right? And then even
1: to your point on the assignment subletting. So what are your rights for subleasing? Do you have them? Most leases do have some sort of right, but is it onerous right can you recoup like the commissions and legal fees and things like that or are you responsible for paying for that so lots of different things to consider on those points too lots of hidden gems oh so many in the 60 pages right (laughs) but I know you know obviously you're used to working through that and identifying those issues I think you raise a good point you bet those are things that
0: you got to watch for and I think that's important too, Catherine with your experience. That goes to show, too, why it's important to also engage someone that works in real estate kind of as their primary practice. It's so complex and is changing all the time. And there's real value in having someone that works on that on a
2: day-to-day basis. You bet. I think with the changing times, some of the boilerplate stuff might not be so boilerplate anymore. Mm -hmm. And with the pandemic, there are leases that are being tested And the provisions are being tested, like, for example, force majeure rights. Yep. Yep. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. So we've done an analysis on force majeure clauses, and it really does come down to the language. Mm -hmm. Do you think we're
1: going to see tightening up? I certainly am seeing, Catherine, more and more requests from the tenant side to sort of get a fence around pandemic-type provisions in that force majeure clause, I'm seeing a real reluctance on landlords to make any modifications to their standard wording on force majeure. So, do you think there's more to come? Like, it's kind of like a soap opera. Like, we'll see how this plays
0: out. A little <laughs> there bit. There's more to come. Yeah. I think that's right. As the world turns. Yes. Yeah, as the world turns.
2: <laughs> I don't think that's around anymore, but that was a longstanding <laughs> one, wasn't it? <laughs> that's right. That's right. And because we are looking at these provisions a little bit closer, both from the landlord and the tenant side, there's going to be some shifting into how we want to structure those and what's reasonable and what's flexible and what works in today's world. Right, right. Because I know force majeure, honestly,
1: that was not a red flag clause for me when we were going through leases. Force majeure was force majeure and you never worried about it. It was just, it was in there, but the pandemic obviously changed perspective. So Mm
2: -hmm, yeah, that's going to be
1: really interesting to see how that all plays out because it's definitely a hot button topic. I get calls from both sides. I get calls from landlords that are saying kind of like, what's everyone else doing? And then I've got (laughs) calls from the tenant side saying, are other landlords doing this? Like what's happening? Because I feel like we should have some language in there to protect us. So to be determined, very cool.
0: Wonderful, well, thank you so much again, Catherine for joining us this week. It was such a pleasure to be a part of the business in Calgary piece with you and just picking your brain and providing some high level information for our listeners of some things to look out for. So thought that was really informative. So thank you for joining us. We love feedback. So if you have any questions or comments for um, us or Catherine, please drop us a line at hello at scoutrealestate.ca. We'll post some information too on how to get in touch with Catherine. Awesome. Thank you, Catherine. You were amazing and natural. I had a lot of fun, ladies.
1: And I thank you for the opportunity for being on Leasing Out Loud. Awesome. Thank Thank you. Everyone have a great week and we'll catch up with you next time.